Okay. Hey guys, welcome. My name is Christy and this is Jordan Ogden and we are so happy to be with you. We live in Ann Arbor, Michigan and lead a group of churches in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but we were a part of Antioch, Dallas years ago and helped lead Antioch, Dallas. And so we are so happy to be back with you this Sunday. Just a little bit about us. We have five kids from ages 13 to six and a half, three boys and two girls. We have lots of family members that attend Antioch, Dallas. So y'all are so special to us in a million ways. And we love you so much. Jordan? Yeah, thank you for that. We are grateful to be able to uh, participate with you today. We hope this can have value to you. We're going to be talking out of Romans. If you want to open to the book of Romans, and while you're doing that, I want to share a story of a time when we took a trip from Antioch, Dallas, to the nation of Uganda, Savannah. Mary Beth and others were a part of this uh, trip, so you can fact check me uh, with them. And we had, we had a great trip. And something that made the trip for me less than desirable was at the end of the trip, second to last night, I was in a, a structure sleeping by myself because uh, I'm high maintenance uh, on sleep. And Christy can attest to that. The first, first night, thank you. The first <laughs> night there, there was a lot of snoring going on. Yeah. And so I requested removal from that structure into a hut, which then became the structure. Well, the structure where I slept in a tent right there by the Nile, great sleep the whole time. Second to last night, uh, the wood that was used for the building of uh, stuff there was contained in this structure where I was sleeping. Well, lo and behold, a thief came in the night and was clicking a little headlight and it terrified me. I would call it the dark night of my own soul. It was a night of extreme hopelessness. We had a, a, a newborn child and I was picturing never seeing you know, my wife, my children, my family, my friends uh, again. And when the dawn uh, appeared the next day, I was abounding in hope. The next day, the wood was recovered, the stolen wood, the thief was apprehended. Uh, but, and the reason I tell that story uh, is because I believe it is a parable and of where we are in this cultural moment. Many of us feel that dark night of hopelessness, and what Christy and I are believing for in your own fellowship and ours as well, is for a transition from any hopelessness in your life to a place where we would be what the scripture calls abounding in hope. Romans 15, 13 says it this way, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christy? Yeah, hope. I did a study on hope a few years ago, and the thing that I was struck by by hope is that hope is putting your faith into something that is eternal, right? We use hope all the time like, oh, I hope you make a good grade on the test, or I hope you win that game, but that's not really hope. It's kind of just like a well-wish of something, but when we, the biblical form of hope is that we are actually living for something greater than what is going on in this present age. We hope for an eternal future that we get to be with Christ forever. We hope 
hope that the things that we do on here actually matter in in eternity. And so I want us to think about hope is that it means that this life right now, it's hard. So many people are going through so many hard things. But as believers, how can we bring hope into this world? And how can we find hope in the midst of the pain that we're all walk, walking through? And as I was reading about hope in um, Hebrews, I know Jordan's talking about um, Romans. As I was reading about hope, I was struck by the verse where it talks about in Hebrews, I'm going to find it right here, Hebrews 6:19, And it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast or secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's Hebrews 6, 19. And I thought about an anchor. What does an anchor do? If you've ever been to the ocean, you know how big the waves are and how they come up and down and they're just crashing all around you. And I honestly feel like that's how life has felt lately. It's like there's these huge waves and just pain and grief and disappointment. And it feels like we're in this like boat just being tossed in to and fro. But what does hope it's called an anchor for the soul. And what does it do? It takes you down. It's firm and secure. It allows you to be secure in that place where the waves come crashing back and forth. And so I want you to think of, when you think of hope, think of something that is grounding you. Something, and then a little bit later in Hebrews, it talks about um, how we must take hold of that hope. And so instead of just thinking of we have to be active in grabbing this hope and allowing it to ground us in Christ. And our hope is not for whatever we are hoping to change, um, whether it's politically or with the coronavirus or school opening or all those different things, but our hope is grounded in Christ, in Christ alone. And it is allowing us to stay steadfast and secure in that so that we are not tossed to and fro, but we have something grounding us in that place. And, and like I said, we want to apprehend that hope and take hold of it so that we can make it through the, the different waves that we're feeling at this time. So good. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're bonded together as, uh, you know, if you're a person that follows Jesus, you have this, this anchoring of hope. I want us to do, however, an exercise here to basically repent where we haven't done that and put our hope back in God, basically be re-anchored. The anchor hasn't been removed, but oftentimes I know in my own life, I can forget certain biblical truths like Christy just exhorted us with there and we're bonded together and that there are realities, we're gonna talk about them today that are true about who God is, about who we are um, in Christ in terms of our identity before him that oftentimes we just need to remind ourselves up uh, of so that our hope can buoy up. So I want to encourage you to, I mean, just three simple prayer sentences. I'm going to say it, and then I want to encourage you to do the same. So here it is. First one, we put our hope, Lord, back in you today. Can you say that out loud? Next one, I've had my hope anchored in outcomes, and I choose to repent Finally, Father, allow me to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. And as we think about this hope, it's important for us to have the true hope 
that is available to us um, by Jesus and then give that hope away to others. We can't give away what we don't have ourselves. And so I want, as you do these exercises and are saying these declarations of recognizing that we have to have our hope anchored in Jesus, we also need to give that hope away to others. The world, as we all know, is hurting and is in chaos. But we do have the answer in Jesus and we can give that hope away to others. Like I want to be so filled with hope in a God who is good and loves us and is able to give us purpose even in the midst of so much pain. And I want to give that to every person that I come into contact with. And so I want to encourage you is to allow that hope anchor in your soul. And then once you're anchored in, the, in your soul with that hope, give it away because that is what people need in this time well you know that makes me think of you know your story even recently with your family when you say hope in the midst of pain because some, some of you may listen to that and say well that's good for you christy but you don't know what i have been going through and so let's just try to connect there for anyone that's going through a place of pain with a personal story okay so um, if you know um, some of our family members that go to church here, um, you might know some of this, but my mom um, is, has Alzheimer's disease and she got diagnosed about 11 years ago with early onset Alzheimer's. And last year um, in September, we made the hard decision of having to put her into a memory care facility. And as you can imagine, it was a terribly painful decision and process, but we knew that it was what we had to do. And hope happened to be my mom's favorite word. It was like her password and she just always loved hope. Um, and so it was the night before we put her into the memory care facility and me and my three other siblings were in Waco with my dad, just the six of us that grew up together. Um, and we were having dinner around the table um, just reflecting on everything that, just kind of the joy of, of what it was like eating around this table and how many people were loved and ministered to around the table. And then we went to the next room and had a time of worship. I, I, we, I really just wanted us to worship together one last time before mom would leave the house that she lived in for 30 years and have to go into this memory care facility. And during this time of worship, it was, it was one of the most powerful times of my life because there was so much pain and heartache because of the loss that, I mean, we've been experiencing a loss for, you know, 10 to 12 years, but just this part of like mom never being at home again and just her mind being so gone. But yet we also were worshiping in the goodness of God and the goodness of who he was. And we, we prayed just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like we want, if you can deliver us from this fire, but even if you don't, we will still praise you. And I was struck and just as we're worshiping and saying, God, you are good. Our hope is in you, not in the healing that we're begging you for, not in um, just what we want of our mom being 
being back how she was, but our hope is actually in you that we're going to be reunited with her again one day, that her life actually mattered and that the way that she lived actually can be multiplied out to generations and generations. And I was just, it was this beautiful place of having hope in the midst of so much pain. And I was, I was realizing like, this is where that anchor comes in, the weightiness of why you spend time getting having the truths of God being stirred up and stored into your spirit. Because when the waves come crashing like they do, and when you're having to do a painful thing, like putting your mom in a memory care facility, we were anchored in the hope that God was still good, that Jesus is still reigning, that we are going to be seated, be with her again one day. And, and, but it was being developed even more too. And so I just want to encourage you that you can have hope in the midst of really painful things and how that hope is becomes more anchored and how your roots are able to go deeper into who God is and what you you what he has for you is by praising him for who he is in the midst of pain it it, it and it comes from spending time with God day in, day out, and having those truths just fill your spirit so that when you need them, you can activate them in the time of need. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So just wanted Chrissy to share that story on hope in, a, in the midst of pain. You, you're, you have your own place of pain where the hopelessness spectrum over to hope, if you're a human being, which you are, you vacillate. And so that, that anchoring and that hope-filled story, allow that to strengthen you uh, today. And I now want to take us through, just real briefly, leading up to our Romans 15 passage, how Paul develops different themes that lay in a, a, a backdrop for this passage. So let's do this really briefly. So Rome, book of Romans chapter 12 pivots into a new part of the book of Romans. It opens by saying, in view of God's mercy. So pause there. So all of Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul is looking back at all of those grand truths, and he is calling them the mercy of God. And in view of the mercy of God from those first 11 chapters, he's saying, present your body as a living sacrifice. He's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we've, we have to actually go into the truth of God's word if we're going to have that type of transaction. So in Romans 1, the gospel is seen as the power of God for salvation for all who believe. As Christie's already been talking about uh, hope, Abraham in hope against hope, he believed. He becomes the father of many nations. We're able to step into that same place of believing for the impossible because God is the one who raises the dead. He's the one who gives life to the dead. He's the one who calls things into existence that did not previously exist. Romans 5, we're able to have peace with God through Jesus. We learn that God has already demonstrated his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's demonstrated his love. We have received the free gift of righteousness so that we might reign in life with Jesus. 
we keep going and we learn that there is now therefore no condemnation in chapter 8 for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we no longer have, uh, have to be a slave to fear because we have been given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, we, we learn that uh, Jesus' love is an inseparable love, that nothing can actually separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We go past Romans 12, all these great exhortations into Romans 14, and we learn about the kingdom of God and what it is and what it is not. And it, Paul will say there, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when we arrive in chapter 15, he says, the strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please themselves. So brief pause there. In your life group communities, in any community that you're a part of, you cannot actually have a healthy community without strong and weak. And some days I'm strong and Christy's weak in our marriage. Some days she's strong and I am weak. But we have to be in relationships where we can both give and receive. So if I'm always strong, or if I'm always weak, or if I only surround myself with what I view as strong, or I only surround myself with people that are weak, I am missing out. And, and like Christy said earlier about giving away hope, other people are missing out. So rather, here's my challenge for you. In this day where diversity is uh, on everyone's mind and on everyone's social media feed, my challenge is how might God be calling you in your place of strength to bear with the failings of the weak? How might God be calling you in your places of weakness to actually have fellowship with someone in a place of their strength? You will find life transformation as you do so. Sorry, had to add that. As we keep going, we find uh, uh, Paul saying, Now may the God of all who gives encouragement and perseverance cause you to be of the same one mind uh, and one heart and live in such harmony with one another. So the backdrop of our passage, Romans 15, 13, is this rich tapestry of God's grace, his love, his mercy, fill in the blank. So it's not this little standalone verse. It is rooted in something much deeper and much larger. And I just wanted to give that framework for our concept here of the God of all hope. It is rooted uh, richly in the person of God, his word, his life, his truth, his spirit that we have become uh, an inheritor of. So we've got this uh, Romans 15, 13, we've got the hope. We're only going to talk about one more thing. And Christy, this is a, something that you and I like very much, and it's the theme of joy. So it says, may the God of all hope fill you with two things. We're not anti-peace. We're just going to emphasize joy. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What comes to your mind when you think of joy? When I think of joy, I think of lightness. I think of now joy, I, as I'm sure you're going to talk about, it's different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. It's like, I'm happy that I got a job promotion. I'm happy that I um, won a game, things like that. But joy, it, it goes down deeper, right? It's joy is you're able to have this abounding life within you and think about people that are joyful you just really want to be around them right it's like people that overflow or what is it abound in joy uh, or filled with joy filled with joy there's some kind of life in it and guys that's what we need right now there's so much pessimism in the world we need to be filled with hope joy and peace right 
people need to see just the joy overflowing in people that God gives. That it's ba it's not circumstantial, but it's based in the person of Jesus, just like hope is. And it's this lightness. This what else would you say to describe joy? Well, when I think of when I think of joy, I think of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews one says that he was anointed with the oil of joy above his peers. Uh, the psalmist writes often about this idea of in his presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. When you read through that, the central passages, John 13 to 17, Jesus speaking to his disciples, the upper room uh, discourse, he's often saying that his desire is that they would have his joy made full in themselves. So pause on that one. Jesus, who has eternally been with God the Father and with God the Holy Spirit, they have eternally been in a relationship where joy was shared. Um, and we have been formed in that image. We have been uh, crafted by God with the same relational capacities. That's part of what it means to be made in God's image. So that is entirely good news today. Like Christy's saying, this is a time of great pessimism. This is a time of great anxiety. This is a time where people are tearing one another apart Every day you hear another story about that. We are called to live in a different way. Mm -hmm. We are called by God, like Christy said, to be filled with joy. And that is what actually enables us, in part, to abound in hope. Brain research is ta taking this a step further. I want to say a little bit about this. So um, uh, brain scientists have found uh, recently that Freud was wrong. Freud said that the primary motivators for life uh, uh, in life were a fear of death and a desire for sex. And so that drove everything. And brain science is proving that to be incorrect. And that actually attachment is the strongest motivator, but even more than that, joyful attachment is the strongest motivator in life. So guess what I know about you and what you know about me. You have a deep desire to taste joy. And isn't it good news that that's the way that God has designed you? So it would be in all of our best interest, those that are followers of Jesus, and as we go out and we're interacting with those other followers of Jesus, as well as those that do not follow Jesus, would be to be so filled with joy that we are, we're marked by it, we're recognized by it, and that is, that's, that's that idea of being salt and light, that people recognize that she is a woman of joy, and I want to be like that, so I'm going to spend time around her. And conversely, that person is not very joyful. They are a drain. And so I'm not going to spend time. Let's be the pe let's be the type of people by the grace of God that people want to be around, want to be like, and it's the joy of Jesus that is going to get us there. But Christy, not uh, most most people don't grow up learning how to joyfully attach to people. What what do they learn? They learn to attach by fear. They learn to attach by fear. Yeah. And so this is a, a problem. And so when you learn to attach by fear, to, and what do we mean by attach? It's just form a relationship based on fear. Here's what's going to happen. Smiling will be rare. Hiding of your emotions will be common. Isolation will become normal. And you will treat friends like enemies. That is, that's not what God has for us, but that is a common experience in the world. Let me give you a better way to attach through joy, where there is much smiling, there is security to act like yourself around others. The ability to connect safely at an emotional level, uh, level and then to experience positive feelings 
from being together. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Like we said earlier in Romans 8, we have not received a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear or forming relationships based on fear, but we have uh, been given a different spirit that allows God's spirit that allows us to form relationships based on joy. So God's desire, whether it's suffering like Christy and her family uh, are describing with, uh, she's describing with her mom, whether it's some type of suffering, anxiety, uh, disappointment, uh, or hopelessness like we've talked about, that God's desire is that even in the midst of that, that we're able to encounter his joy. And this fills us uh, to where our, uh, our, emotion, our emotional capacity can increase. We work a lot with marriages. And uh, oftentimes, it's not a gender specific, but one, uh, either the, uh, the husband or the wife, uh, will say uh, of the other that they are, uh, their emotional uh, capacity has been diminished in some way. And so the good news in our uh, marriage relationships, our parenting relationships, our friendships, is that we're able to increase that emotional capacity when we have this Romans 15, 13 activity being filled with joy. So how have we found this, Christy, playing out in Michigan uh, for the past several years in terms of having people at our table living with us, et cetera? We have been training or training, discipling people on looking outside of your present circumstances, but looking at thankfulness. I mean, that's been one of our really helpful ways of training people in joy and in hope is when you think of all of the things that you have to be thankful for, which is hard at first, but it shifts your perspective because so many much of this is there's a there's a battle in your mind of what am I going to believe and how am I going to battle these negative pessimistic thoughts and I think one of the best ways is thankfulness and having a, a mindset shift of what is there to be thankful for. That's great. And so when we have people to our table, we do uh, expressions of gratitude. We'll have people over in the morning. And we're, ju we're just giving you thoughts here. This is our phrase that we use. This is our way, a way. In no way we're saying, hey, you need to do this. We like to just give thoughts. Hopefully your uh, creative imagination gets inspired. Hey, I can take a nugget from there and I can implement that as I am trying to live missionally, as I am trying to do what Chrissy said, as I'm trying to uh, be one that is giving hope away. So as we have people to our table, you know, we, we would, what, what have people said when we've invited them in? This is the first time I've ever been invited to a home to yeah, eat. Yeah, to, to eat a meal, which we which we found very very much a foreign thought, and e even perhaps that they were not being truthful. But we've heard it time and time again, and guys, that's to me that is a very easy way to engage missionally uh, with another individual or with another family because everyone can do this. You could do this actually right now. You could pick your phone up and you could text someone. You can say, "Want to eat food with me?" And you could do that in less than 10 seconds and you could press send and then you put the ball in their court and when they come over you can do what Christie's describing you can uh, express that gratitude for the things uh, that you have and again that's very low bar but it begins to create an environment that not everyone is used to and they recognize wow i wonder if i could go back home and do that we've had people live with us uh, we actually always have someone living with us and part of our conviction there is that life transformation seems to happen best when we're living life on life. That does not mean that everyone has to do that. It's not prescriptive. 
we're, we're saying from our experience, it's a higher cost, but we also find a corresponding higher level of transformation because when we get, like Christy said, when we are abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, and when we are filled by God with His joy and His peace in our life, and then we simply invite someone else into that environment, it spills out onto them. That is what is contagious. The life of God that we contain is contagious to other people. And so therefore, we are able to be like Paul. You are able to be like Paul when he says, just follow me as I follow Christ. Just imitate me as I am imitating Christ. And it's what Jesus did when he called his disciples to follow him. He called them to himself so that he would spend time with them. And the brain, again, back to the brain science as we're closing, is we have these things called mirror neurons. And behind us here, many books, many wonderful books, actually some books that I remember from my time here in Dallas. The thing about books, we, we want to be students of books. But what we're talking about with joyful attachment, you can't get through a book. You can't read a book and then apply it to learn joyful attachment. You actually have to, it's incarnational. Meaning, I have to be around another person and I have to watch them. And that idea of the mirror neurons in our brain, that is how I learn how to relate in joy. So here's my point. If you have a deficit in joy, find someone that is filled with joy and be around them and your brain will literally rewire as you watch them and then you can go and in that sense imitate them as they are imitating the very life of God. So this, as we enter the fall, one challenge that we want to leave with you and then I'll have Christy pray for us is ask God, what's one way that you're wanting me to grow in hope? What's one way that you're wanting me uh, to form joyful attachment, joyful relationships with others? And let's believe God uh, this fall for a move of God abounding in hope uh, as we uh, journey together. And I want to say one last Please thing. Please do. Um, I, I think it's a great time, like Jordan said, is asking the Lord, how can I grow in this hope and joy um, in the fall? And I know, trust me, I'm a mom. We, I have kids. I don't know what school is going to look like. And I know for a lot of you, it feels like it's been this endless time of just kind of waiting for nothing is really changing. But I really want to encourage you is I want each one of you, whether you have kids not knowing what school is going to be like, or you're a student, and you're about to go back to college that's going to look different, or you're a young adult working and it's just kind of a different change of pace. Let's shift our mindset. I think that what we've recognized for so many of us is we've all been kind of surviving and just kind of getting through the day after day and it's a little mundane, it can be boring, but let's start the fall stronger than ever. Like despite, because what do we say? Hope it, hope and joy are despite our circumstances. And how can we enter the fall being filled with hope and filled with joy and giving that away to others? I want you guys to have vision for what this fall can be like. Even if we're stuck quarantined in our homes for months on end, don't what happened in the spring, we have to have new ways of dealing with that and how to, and that's why the hope and joy are so important but don't just continue what you've been doing be filled afresh by God and ask him how can I enter into this new season and thrive the church is needed in this time and that is you and so you have to ask God how 
can I be filled with this hope and joy and give it away to others and give it to my kids and give it to my coworkers and give it to people because the world is hurting and we can't continue acting how we have been. So be encouraged, be stirred, ask God for vision for how you can make this fall the best one ever. And I believe that can happen. And I believe that the church can be brighter than ever in this time. And so you get to be a part of that. And so do we. So I'm going to pray us into that. Lord, I just thank you you. I thank you that hope and joy and peace reside within you, God. I thank you that we had the opportunity to be transformed by you, Jesus. And as we are, we can give that away to others. And I pray for each person that is watching this, God, may they be filled with your hope and your joy and your peace, God. And may they give that to this hurting world that needs it. God, I pray that we have vision of how not to just make it in this next semester, but how can we thrive? How can we really be the church in this hour that we need to be? And I pray that you would just allow hope to rise up in people's hearts, God, that they can walk out and that things can change and that you have a good plans and futures for them. We just thank you for Antioch Dallas. We thank you for each person. And I pray that they would shine brighter than ever in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thanks for letting us be with you.